Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your amazing love for us. And today as we start a new series focusing on reformation, and today the focus of reforming our heart, soul, and mind, help us to understand that you have incredible plans for each one of us. You desire for us to be people who are reformers in this world to lead people closer to you. Bless this time as we look into your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're starting a new series. Our focus is going to be on Reformation. In fact, this year is the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. And so each week up until Reformation Sunday, even on that day, we are going to be talking about this topic of reforming. And today the focus is on reforming our, our heart, our soul, and our mind. And I want to share with you a definition I found for Reformation. It says the action or process of reforming an institution or practice. The action or process of reforming an institution or practice. That means change. And change is a scary word. Maybe you've heard this before, but the only person who likes change is a baby with a stinky diaper. Because change sometimes can be very difficult, but yet it's a very important part of life. And so I want to talk about this topic of reforming our heart, our soul, our mind, and I want to break down those three things, because it sounds like a big task, but what I want to do is simplify it. And the first thing, reforming our heart. When you think about the heart, it revolves around feelings, emotions, and we all have feelings, we all have emotions in our lives. Maybe we're happy, maybe we're sad, angry, maybe a bit depressed, emotions can range all over the place. And sometimes our lives may feel like an emotional roller coaster. So my question is, what affects our emotions? What causes us to have our feelings? And my guess is, for most of us, we feel it's determined by events that happen around us. For example, let's say somebody does something absolutely terrible to you. Your natural reaction is going to be what? You're going to get angry, okay? You want to get them back. That's our natural human inclination. But I want you to imagine something else. Let's say that that person does something bad to you, and rather than getting angry, you involve your mind in the thought process and think, okay, you know what? That person has had a rough life. That person has a lot of issues going on inside of them. I feel bad for that person. I forgive that person. I'm not going to let the way they treated me affect my mood in a negative way. I am going to choose to be happy, joyful, and free. Is that possible? The point I want to make is this. So often, our feelings and emotions can be controlled by the way we what? Think. But so often, our emotions just go along with the events that are occurring around us. And we're not involving our minds in that emotional process. Now, my family, there's been a history of a lot of depression. And part of that deals with um, chemical imbalance. And so I realize sometimes that there's mood issues, there may be some chemical things going on, and there's nothing wrong with getting the help that you would need from a doctor. But still, even with that, there are things we can learn in our minds to begin to help our emotions go in the right direction. 
And so the heart deals with emotions, but the first thing I want to share out as we go forward here is that our emotions can be controlled to a great extent by the way we think and thinking the right way. The next one is transforming our soul. And the soul is the essence of who we are. This is my body, and the world focuses so much on the flesh and the external. But all this is is a housing of my being, which is my soul. Who is John Bjorgard? I'm a person, my soul has been shaped over time by different situations, events, things I believe. But to a great extent, my personality, my character has been shaped over time by the way that I think, how I perceive things. For example, your character is a big part of your personality. How is character formed? Typically, it starts with thought. You think about something enough. As you think about it, it turns into action. Action that becomes repeated becomes a habit. A habit that becomes ingrained forms your character. And so our character is to a great extent formed by the way we what? We think. If you want to change your character, you need to change the way you think. Now, why am I taking you down this process? I want to simplify this whole thing because doing three things, okay, transforming my, my heart, my soul, my mind, that's, that's a lot of things. I want to focus on one thing here. The one thing that I think is going to focus and impact all the other ones. And that's the way we think. The Bible, in talking about Jesus, especially in Colossians, says that Jesus is the head of the church. He's like the brains of the church. The brain controls everything else. God's spirit wants to direct the body. Okay? In the same way, your mind controls your soul to a great extent. It controls your feelings. Like right now, I'm up here and I'm thinking in my mind what I'm going to say, and my brain is sending these impulses through my, my voice and and. Invisible waves are coming out to you. Your, hear, your ears are hearing these things, processing it, taking it in. At the same time, my brain is telling my hands to move, my feet to move. The brain is an amazing tool. But I believe in our society is being greatly underutilized. You know, Satan has a plan. His goal is to lead us away from Jesus. His goal is to have our lives become miserable. And I believe that his main attack is on our brain, our mind. He wants to shut down our thought process. How is he doing? You know, back at the time of the Reformation, sometimes the worship services could last two to three hours. They didn't have pews. They stood. The sermon could last sometimes an hour and a half, maybe even two hours. The people had long attention spans. Now, if we had the same setup today, um, how many people would be in worship right now? You know, life has changed so much. The technology that we have is just advancing so rapidly. And technology can be an amazing tool. But I see in our society, and there's more and more research being done, that for many people, all this technology is messing them up. They may be very connected electronically, 
but they're disconnected from other human beings. And loneliness is becoming a major problem. Situations of depression, of sadness, increasing at dramatic levels. Because we're meant to be connected. We're meant to be people that use our mind. When you think about your cell phone, your electronic devices, they can do almost anything for you. We hardly even have to think anymore. Take your phone and start talking to Siri. Siri, tell me about this. And your phones and your technology does so much for you that sometimes we don't even have to think. For a lot of people, when they wake up in the morning, if it's quiet, it makes them uneasy. They've got to turn on the TV set. There's got to be noise. We're so used to a world of, of movement, of noise. And how much time do we actually take to turn everything off, sit down, and think? My guess is, not enough. In fact, even when it comes to the emotions in our lives, we're not holding them in check because our minds aren't thinking. We're just kind of going with what happens. So Satan wants to shut down our thought process. The word amusement, I've said this before. You take the word amusement, the word muse, means to shut down your mind. And that's the society that we're in, a society of amusements. Minds are being shut down. The main tool that God gave us to process and to keep things in line so often is not working and being used properly. Another thing Satan likes to do is attack the truth. He's done that from the very beginning in the Garden of Eden. When Satan went to Adam and Eve and and said, hey, if you eat this fruit, you're going to become like God, knowing good and evil. And so Adam and Eve, they took the fruit and they ate it. And sin came into the world. And Satan has not stopped that tactic since. He wants us to question the truth of the gospel. A lot of people out there, the feeling is, hey, there's all different ways to heaven. What did Jesus say? He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. A lot of people challenge the validity of the scriptures. I don't know about you, but I look in the scriptures, I see no errors, no contradictions, it all comes together. The Bible's been under attack for thousands of years, and no one has been able to find fault with it. Historically, archaeologically, scientifically, but the most incredible thing is its content. All the people come to me and say, I don't believe the Bible, I ask them one question. Have you ever read it? And every single one has said no. Well, maybe you should read it before you make that kind of judgment. Satan wants to attack the truth. Our colleges for our young people, they get through high school, they go on to college, and so often they're dealing with professors that tell them they're idiots that they believe Christianity. The reality is this. Jesus is the truth, and his word is truth. Satan also wants to change our history. It's happening. Look what's happening in the world. you got some fanatical groups out there like ISIS and others, and what do they do with um, historical things? They destroy them. In our own society, a lot of courtrooms that used to have replicas or or, um, monuments of the Ten Commandments, what's happened? They're gone. Christian symbols going away. In the Old Testament, quite often what happened was, for example, one example, they went through the, across the Jordan River, and they took 12 large rocks, stones, and they put them in a pile as what? 
a monument to remember what God had done. There's an attempt to erase the history of Christianity. Even our dating system, Anno Domini, the year of our Lord, just watch. It's already, there are people already attacking that dating system. They don't want to have anything with a reverence, a reference back to Christ. Instead of Christmas vacation, is what? Winter break. Instead of Easter vacation, spring break. Removement of Christ from our history, from our presence. These are ways that Satan is working in our world today. What does God want? God's plan is this. To transform our mind, that our life, feelings, are led by his spirit and his word. To transform our minds, that our feelings, that our life, is in tune with God's spirit and his word. The Bible talks a lot about thinking, more than we may realize. There's three main words we see a lot in scripture, and those words are knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Hundreds of references to these words. What is knowledge? It's what you get in your mind. You gain a concept and it goes in your mind. What is understanding? When you think about that concept and you truly come to embrace it, not just in your mind, all of a sudden you truly believe it. When you believe it, it's understanding. It goes into your heart. Wisdom. Wisdom is living out that belief. That's what God really calls upon us to do. Not just to know his word, not just to believe his word, but to live it out in our lives. That's the ultimate calling. I want to share with you some scripture that talks about thinking in the mind. 1 Corinthians 14.20 Brothers, stop thinking like children. In regard to evil, be infants, but in your thinking, be adults. The Bible refers a lot to different categories of our Christian development. If we were to kind of timeline and look at your journey in faith, where are you? Where am I? Are we spiritual infants? Are we like teenagers? Are we adults? Where are we in the journey? No matter where we are, our desire should be to keep growing. But for many people, they think, you know what? I've already arrived. I was confirmed, so I'm all set to go. I'm 58 years old, and I'm learning new things each and every day from God's word that I didn't know before. There's always more to keep learning. To kind of get clarity more on this scripture, in regards to evil be infants, what does that mean? Infants, what are they like? Infants are completely reliant upon who? Their parents. Okay? So when it comes to fighting evil, we have to surrender and submit our lives completely to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Then we find deliverance from evil. The problem when we become adults so often is like, I got this one. I, I can handle him on my own. And what happens? We have sheep and he has a wolf. We get creamed. So when it comes to spiritual battle, to be like infants to surrender to our adults, so to speak, here, our parents, we have a Heavenly Father who wants to protect us, to su- submit to him. But the second part is pretty clear. But in your thinking, be adults, to keep growing in our thought process. The next verse, which ties into our scripture for today. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, 
Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word is metamorphosis in the Greek, that word that we even know in the English. It's like the um, caterpillar turning into the butterfly. A complete change in your mind. It's not done by being conformed to the pattern of this world. Because I think so often we spend way too much time being influenced by the world when God says, I want you to be influenced by my word. Don't be worldly. Be wordly. That's the calling that he gives to us. To let his words sink deeper into our lives. It goes on and talks about to think of yourself in sober judgment, to think of yourself in, in humility. The kind of attitude we're called upon to be followers of Jesus Christ. The next one from 2 Peter 3.1. Dear friends, this is now the second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. This is Peter, disciple, later apostle, leader in the church. He writes first and second Peters. Peter, and he says basically, I want you to realize I'm writing this for your wholesome thinking. I want to impact the way that you think. So time and time again, we see in God's word, he's trying to get to our head. He wants to have a checkup from the neck up. He wants us to engage our minds in deeper ways. But I think our society so often is fixated and focused too much on the feeling aspect. A couple more, Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. To engage your mind in the right things. Let me ask you a question. Is there ever a time where your mind goes off into the gutter? It goes down a track that's just not a very good track? What God's word is saying to us is stop that. Think about what you're thinking about. If your mind's going the wrong direction, cut it off. Stop, pray, ask for strength. Focus on the right things. Focus on the things of God. Focus on his will, on his word. Think about the right things. Your mind is meant to be the filter to everything else. As we're going through a day, are we analyzing what we're doing? Are we thinking about what we think about? Because God is calling upon us to engage our minds in a deeper way so that ultimately everything else goes in the right direction in our lives. One last verse, 2 Corinthians 10.5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. This is a tough one. Take captive every what? Thought. How many thoughts do you think you have in a typical day? Thousands. It's a discipline. A training of the mind to analyze our thoughts, to make sure that what you're thinking is in tune to what? The Word of God. In John 1.14, it says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The Word became a human being, Jesus, a walking Bible. His mind, thinking Scripture, living Scripture. Even in his ministry, 
As busy as it was for those three years where his ministry was done from the age of 30 to 33, he would often go off by himself to be alone and to pray, with his, talk to his father. I think we see in Jesus' example how we're meant to be, to have that time to, to get away, to think, to process, to meditate on God's word. I think sometimes we may read scripture, but are we taking time to truly think about what we're reading? You know, a lot of you are going through the, the one-year Bible. About 200, over 200 years started this year doing that. Hopefully 200 are still doing it. If not, I want to encourage you to get back into it again. But also with it, take maybe a, one verse and just process it and think about it. A couple more things as I tie this all together. As I mentioned, we are coming to the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. You know, Martin Luther was the one who started a whole process. And I believe the Reformation took place in his mind. Okay? He grew up as a Roman Catholic priest. He felt that God was a mean and angry judge. That was his reality. And it shaped his life. He was miserable. He was unhappy. He felt he could never please God. He would fast for hours on end, pray for hours on end, but never felt like he was good enough feeling his soul was in jeopardy of going to hell. That's what he grew up with. And a friend came to him and says, Martin, I got some advice for you. Read the Bible. Pretty good advice, huh? There were not a lot of Bibles back then. Back then, the only Bibles that they had were handwritten until the printing press came out, which actually took place during his lifetime. He got a copy of the Bible. He began to read. And as he read, all of a sudden, a transformation began to take place in his life. As he read through sections of Romans and other parts of the New Testament, he began to realize that God is a loving, forgiving, gracious God. That Jesus came and lived and died and rose to take away his sins. And that knowledge came into his mind. And he began to understand it in his heart. And the love of God began to fill him to the point where it just exploded out into a reformation which changed the history of our planet. Focusing on three main things. You know, when it comes to the philosophy of our life, we've got to be careful not to have too many things because it gets cluttered. He had three main things he focused on. Grace alone. We're saved by God's grace through Jesus Christ. Faith alone. This gift of God that we have is the most precious gift that through faith we are saved in Scripture alone. Those were his three main things he was focusing on. And the world has been changed. And we're talking about him 500 years later. What about you and me? Is there a reformation happening inside of us? And I believe that God is calling us to a reformation in the mind. To let his word be captive in our thoughts. Let his word be prevalent in what we do and what we think and what we say. When the mind gets under control of God's word, the emotions change. Love, joy, peace. Our soul, our personality, our character changes to become more Christ-like. So I want to encourage you, starting today and maybe even the whole day tomorrow, when you wake up, what's the first thing you think about? I pray it's about Jesus. Maybe start in prayer. Maybe take a little bit of time, get up a couple minutes earlier, have a devotional book you read to get focused in the right direction. As you go on through the day, to keep asking yourself, am, am I doing what I'm doing for the glory of God? 
If you find your mind going off on a bad tangent, stop it, pray, and, and get Jesus back in the conversation in your mind. And think about his word. As you go through the day, have him be there with you all the time, thinking, thinking. Using that brain he's given to you as a process to make sure that the rest of you is going in the right direction at the end of the day. Praying, thanking him for the blessings of another day. And to get in practice of training our minds to be more in tune with God's word and his spirit. And so we're going to find a reformation growing inside of us that's going to affect our heart, our soul, and our mind. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, so often we get distracted. So often we're being conformed by the likeness of this world. When you call upon us to be transformed by your word, life's busy. Lord, help us to take a look at our schedules and and to realize there's probably things we need to adjust to spend more time with you, more time in your word, to analyze the things we're doing that really are just taking up space and filling that space with your presence more in our lives. We thank you for our minds. Help us to use our minds in the way you desire for us to use them, to be obedient, to take every thought captive to your word. More and more, And we pray, Lord, for reformation that starts inside of us to go out in this world we leave today, that we are more involved in carrying out your will. In Jesus' name, amen. This time the offering will be received. You please sign the registers. And you're, one more time out. Pastor Al is going to say something first, okay?